Hello, my friends. This is Pastor Christopher Alam at home in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. I trust you and your house are also doing well. Uh, we are on the subject of God's grace and man's faith, in which we are speaking about the subject of grace. And then we are going to talk about the subject of faith and how the two are intertwined and interwoven and inseparable from each other. So we, we're going to go into that. But right now we are talking about the subject of grace. And I've spoken about, uh, about how righteousness was imparted to us by faith, that it's not just imputed to us. It's not just that we are treated as if we were righteous, but we are actually made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And that's the wonderful news of the gospel. And then we talked about how we have been saved. And because we are saved, we are also being saved every single day. And when on the last day, when we shall be saved. So it's one salvation uh, that happened once when we received Jesus, when we acknowledge his work for us upon the cross. But that salvation has its effect in our in our everyday lives, how the Holy Spirit and the word of God and Jesus working in our lives every day, saving us, delivering us from the power of sin every single day until the day that comes that final aspect of salvation when we shall leave this body and we shall stand before Jesus. And the Bible says when we shall see him face to face, we shall be like him. And they say that everybody who lives with this hope in his heart that one day I'm going to be with Jesus. Uh, you know, it says that he, he, he keepeth himself pure. So, you know, the grace of God actually brings purity in our lives. You know, some people think that, well, I'm under grace. And basically what it means to them is uh, because they're under, under, under grace, they think it, it gives them right to indulge in the flesh and do things that they otherwise shouldn't be doing because I'm already forgiven. I'm made righteous. But no, it is more than that. The life of grace is the life of Christ living in us. And God working in us, making us more like him without our own religious human efforts is the power of God working in the heart of man. Amen. Now, today I'm going to talk to you about uh, another aspect here. And I'm going to talk to you how Jesus upon the cross reversed the effects of the sin of Adam in the garden. What Adam committed the sin that he committed uh, in the garden, the effects of it upon our lives, how Jesus upon the cross reversed all that. And that is the gospel. Now, so it says in Romans 5.11, and it says that, uh, and not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. And if you remember, I shared with you from, uh, from the beginning of the book of Romans chapter 4, it says that we now have been saved. Hallelujah. So we stand, we rejoice in the Lord and we stand in this place of grace. And I said that grace is a place where we stand, where all the blessings and the favor of God abound upon our lives. And so now, we see in Romans 5 verse 11, and not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. That means that uh, we rejoice in God through the Lord Jesus Christ, through whom it's in the past tense. We 
have, we have now received the atonement. So <clears throat> the atonement is how Jesus upon the cross, when he died upon the cross, he made the he made atonement for us before God. That means that uh, our sins have been washed away. Our diseases have been healed and we have been blessed every every blessing in Christ, as Ephesians chapter one says. So all, all these things have already been done. They have already happened. So it says we rejoice in the Lord uh, through our Lord Jesus Christ, because by whom, by Jesus, we have, we are, we are, not that we shall be, but we are recipients of the atonement. Hallelujah. So everything that Jesus has done for us, it is ours already. It has been done already. And then it says, verse 12, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, so that all have sinned. Now, this is interesting. It says that one man, through one man, that is Adam, sin entered into the world. So Adam, that one man, through him, sin entered into the world, and through his sin came death into the world, and then that death, it passed upon all men because we all became partakers of the sin of Adam and we have all sinned. Now, let's look at, let's jump to verse, verse 14. It says, nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the multitudes of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. Now, this is an interesting verse because it is, it connects to the, the last verse. And I'm going to read that to verse 13. So it says that death passed unto all men through Adam, Adam sinned, and because of Adam, sin came into the world. And when sin came into the world, death came into the world. And then that death, that sin, it passed on through all men because all have sinned. But then it says, for until the loss, well, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed where there's no law. No, no law. Now, this is interesting because sin is actually breaking the law of God. When you transgress against the law of God, that is sin. But before the law was given, uh, you know, God gave the law to Moses. But from So that means that from Adam to Moses, there was no law. So can one really say there was no sin? But it says that no, because death, even though there was no law, death still reigned from Adam to Moses even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure that was to come. So it says that, that although uh, these people had not sinned, death was still over them from Adam to Moses. That means that death was there because the sin nature was there, although they hadn't transgressed the law. So it's talking about the, the sinful nature of man, as opposed to the sins that one's one commits when one breaks the law of God. So that sin, that, that sin, which is the sin nature of man was still there. And then it says, verse 15, but not as the offense, but also, uh, so also is the free gift. That means that, you know, just like the offense, the sin came into the world in the same way is the free gift. For Then, then it says, in, I'm reading from verse 15, for if through the offense of one, many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift of grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ has abounded into money, into many. Now, this is 
This is something that um, Romans really, the book of Romans really presses into and, and, and impresses upon us that look, death and sin came into this world through one man. In the same way, the gift of grace also came by one man, Jesus. That's why Jesus is called the second Adam. You know, Adam, there was a first Adam and there's the second Adam. So through the first Adam, death came into the world. Sin and death came into the world. And not only that, but sin and death came upon all mankind. But through Jesus Christ, the second Adam, uh, you know, life and righteousness came upon, uh, you know, came into the world and not just into, uh, into the world, but upon all men. Now, if you, if, you under, if you want to understand this, I want you to think somebody, you know, I, I remember a guy who once said a friend of mine was witnessing to him and he said to me, he said, well, if Adam sinned, I had nothing to do with it. Why should I be a sinner uh, just because Adam sinned? And, and but the thing is that he, he's right in a sense, but at the same time, he's wrong because that that sin of Adam it came, it was inherited, it was inherited, it was inherited through the bloodline, it came upon every human being who is a progeny of Adam. So if you are a child of Adam, if you are related to Adam biologically, you inherited sin. So what happened, what he's saying is that because through Adam, sin came upon all mankind, in the same way, through Jesus Christ, Forgiveness of sin and life and righteousness came upon all mankind. But the only difference is that by Adam, in, sorry, in Adam's case, sin and death came into man's life, but there was no choice. It just came biologically. But salvation and forgiveness of sin, it comes by faith because it is by grace. So I want you to understand that's the only difference. But the point here is that that uh, because of the offense of Adam, one man sinned and many people died because of one man's sin. In the same way, by the grace of God, the gift of grace that came through Jesus, through that, many, many people rose back to life. Hallelujah. And I'm glad that I was one of them because I was lost in sin because of Adam and not only because of Adam, but because of my own sin, I was lost. But then Jesus came and he died for me 2000 years before I was born. But because of what he did, righteousness came upon all men and upon me. And when I heard the gospel, I immediately took the lifeline and responded to it. And I got saved. Hallelujah. So because of one man, many fell into sin in the same way, because of one man, many come into righteousness. And then it says here, uh, Verse 16, and not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. So just because like through Adam, judgment and condemnation came in the same way through Jesus came the free gift of justification, of salvation. Then it says verse 17, uh, for, if one man, for if by one man's offend, uh, offense, death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. What he's saying is that, you see, but because of Adam's sin, death reigned or ruled 
over all mankind. So he's, he's talking about reigning and ruling. So when Adam came, death reigned over mankind. Death, he was talking about spiritual death, eternal separation from God. That reigned over mankind. And you know, David said, he says, in sin was I born, in sin did my mother conceive me. That's death, that spirit of death. It reigned, it ruled over one man. That's what happened through Adam. But it says, but because that came through Adam, he says, much more they which receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, instead of death reigning over us, we shall reign in life by Jesus Christ. So we are destined and we are created to reign and rule through Jesus Christ. That's what salvation means. Salvation isn't just our fire insurance paid up, but it is that when we receive this abundance of grace, it says an abundance of grace, not just a little bit of grace, but an abundance, an abundance, as I said, an overflow upon overflow and upon overflow of God's mercy and favor and blessing upon us. So when we receive this abundance of grace, and along with that, the gift of righteousness. That means, righteousness actually means uh, to be able to stand before God like you have never sinned, as if you are, uh, uh, you have never sinned and you have no guilt and no condemnation and no inferiority complex. You know, this is very, very important to build up a righteousness consciousness within us. Righteous, to build up a righteousness consciousness because you can either live under sin consciousness or live under a righteousness consciousness. Sin consciousness, what it basically says, you know, I'm a sinner. No matter what Jesus has done for me, I'm still a rotten sinner and that's what I'll be until the day I die. But righteousness consciousness says this, that yes, in my flesh is nothing good. If I look at myself as I am, I am nothing, I am a sinner, but I am not in myself. I am in Christ. My life is hidden in Christ. We have to make this distinction. We have to understand that yes, in ourselves, in our own strength, our own righteousness is as filthy rags. And so, but you know what? We can choose to wear those filthy rags and say, I'm Christian, I'm a Christian, I'm a child of God, but I'm still in my filthy rags. And it doesn't make any sense because when the prodigal son came home, um, you know, he said, put the best robe upon him. So there was a change in his garment, a change in his appearance. And so when, um, when we come to Jesus, one thing that happens is that our filthy rags are taken off, we are washed in the blood, and God gives us new robes of righteousness. And so we have to, you know, the Bible says, you put on your old man and put on Christ. When I put on Christ, it's like I'm dressing myself in Christ. My, my life is hidden in Christ. And so that is why when I look at myself in the mirror, I don't see myself, but I see Jesus because I have put on Christ. And that's very, very, very important for us that we do not, after we receive Jesus, that we do not identify ourselves with the past and say, oh yeah, I'm saved, but you know, I'm just a sinner under grace and I'm just grateful and making to heaven and thank God for that. But you know, I'm still an old sinner. No, I'm not. I, 
You see, the, the thing is that Paul says, I put no confidence in the flesh. And when we begin to look at ourselves in the flesh and identify ourselves with the old man and look at the old man and say, that's who I really am. I am a bit of this in Christ, but that's who I really am. So there's a big contradiction and we cannot live in that contradiction. We are either there or we are here. And so that's why the Bible says we crucify the old, old man. So how do we crucify the old man? By always putting on Christ and acknowledging ourselves in Christ and say that, you know, say, instead of saying, well, I was a sinner and, you know, I'm still a sinner saved by grace. No, we say that I have received an abundance of grace and mercy, unmerited favor, undeserved favor. And, you know, uh, I, I remember there was an old song we used to sing. It's called The Wonderful Grace of Jesus. And then there was a line there. It says, broader than the scope of my transgressions, greater, greater, uh, greater far than all my sin and shame. Oh, the wonderful name of Jesus, praise his name. So what I'm saying is that the, the reason we don't are identify ourselves with the past, but we identify as ourselves with who we are in Christ Jesus is in spite of the fact that in the flesh, we still are nothing is because we don't identify ourselves with the flesh. And the reason we don't do that is because the abundance of grace and mercy that we have received and that grace and mercy that we have received, we have received in such abundance that 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 overshadows everything else in our life and that it is far greater than all our failures and all our transgressions and all our shortcomings even if those shortcomings are still there and we fight them and they pop up but the abundance of grace that has been given to us covers and washes all that away and that is why i identify myself with that abundance of grace hallelujah and then <clears throat> upon the abundance of grace, we have received the gift of righteousness. This wonderful righteousness, which is right standing before God, which enables me to stand before God. And when I, that's why Jesus said, he didn't say, well, come to the Father. He says, come to the Father in my name. So, you know, when, when, when I come to God in my name, although I may pay lip service to the name of Jesus, but I really, I'm really coming in my name and then I feel guilty afterwards. You know, I prayed, but I'm not sure God has heard me because I don't know whether I'm good enough. You know, you know what's happening? What's happening is that I'm actually coming to God on my own merits, on my own name and and, and I, I look at him, I look at myself and I find myself falling short and that's, that kills my faith. So, well, I prayed a prayer, but you know what? I don't know if he heard me because of this, that and the other. But that's why Jesus said, come to the Father in my name. That means that I put off myself who I am in my flesh in my own human nature and I put on who I am in Christ Jesus and I clothe myself in Christ and I throw off my filthy rags of self-righteousness once and for all, go get rid of them, burn them and I put on my robe of righteousness and I come to the Father in the name of Jesus because, because of this abundance of grace as I said and the gift of righteousness. That means this Gift of righteousness means that this righteousness is something that I have not earned. 
by myself and it has been given to me as a free gift. If gift is something that is that someone gives to you without you ever having to, you know, deserve it, you know. And so um, it's a free gift and it's given to us for one reason, because the Father loves us and we have had nothing to do with any kind of deserving of receiving it. So what he's saying, this is very important, verse 17 in Romans 5, it says, because of one man's offense, Adam's offense, death reigned on this earth. Yes, I was a sinner because of Adam, but I have received an abundance of grace. Hallelujah. That means grace upon grace flows over me. Like I'm a, I'm a little stone at the bed of the ocean and the waves of grace just flow over me, flow over me ceaselessly, ceaselessly. And then, so I've received the abundance of grace and then I've received the gift of righteousness. That means that no matter what the devil says, no matter what the accuser or the brethren says, I stand before God and God looks at me and he says, he is my child. He is washed in the blood of my son. He has the right to stand before me. And when the devil says, yeah, God, but this is what he did. And God will just tell him to shut up and go away. Because when I'm standing before God, the Bible says that the blood of Jesus is also speaking for me. And Jesus is at the right hand of the father praying for me and interceding for me. So because of all these things working on our behalf, the abundance of grace and this free gift of righteousness, which we have received, we shall reign and rule in this life through Jesus Christ. And that is, you know how a king reigns and rules? A king reigns and rules by his word. And that's why we have to change our vocabulary. We have to change our vocabulary of poverty to the vocabulary of blessing. We have to change our vocabulary of slavery of being victims to the devil to the vocabulary of royalty because we are kings and priests unto God. We reign in this life. Instead of talking the vocabulary of sickness and disease, we speak the vocabulary of health and healing and life and prosperity. Instead of speaking the vocabulary of Poverty, we speak the vocabulary of prosperity. And that these are the things that change us and build this righteousness consciousness in us so that, so that uh, you know, I have realized sometimes that sometimes I, uh, I, you know, I'm in places and I'm called to pray for the sick and I felt, oh, I'm not prepared. This is a terrible disease. I'm not pre prepared. And the Lord said to me, he said, son, you'll run into these situations and when you don't plan it, it just happens. But you always have to be prepared. And I said, Lord, how can I always be prepared? He said, by always walking with me, always walking in your authority and reigning as a king in this life. And that is not a feeling. It is not something you brainwash yourself into, but that is the result of you acknowledging and being consciousness, being conscious of the abundance of grace that is given to you and also being conscious of the abundance of this wonderful gift of righteousness that has been given to you. And then because of these two things, you stand as a king and you say, thank you, Father, that I can stand before you, not because of who I am in the flesh, but because of what Jesus Christ has done for me. And so I stand before you and I stand as a king. Hallelujah. That is how you 
reign in life. Amen. Now I'm going to read two more verses to you before I close. Four more verses. It says, listen to this. Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. Even so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justify justification of life. That means this free gift is for all men, for every. I mean, it is for the Jews. It is for the Hindus, for the Muslims, for uh, Catholics, I mean, doesn't matter who they are. This free gift of righteousness is for every human being. And that is what we must preach. I must preach the gospel and tell people what Jesus did for them upon the cross. Then he says, verse 19, for as by one man's obedience, disobedience, sorry, many were made sinners. So by one, by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. So it means this. It's plain and simple in verse 19. He says, because of Adam's disobedience, many were made sinners. In the same way, the reverse is because of the obedience of Jesus Christ. The Bible says he was obedient unto death, even the death of the cross, you know, in Philippians chapter 2. So it says, because of the disobedience of Adam, everybody became a sinner. In the same way, because of the obedience of Jesus, everybody they is made righteous. So that means that gift of righteousness actually available. Can you imagine? It's astounding. It's available to everybody, but they must know that it is available to them so that they can receive it by faith, by coming to Jesus. That, 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 that is the gospel message that this wonderful gift of righteousness is right there for you to walk into. When you bow before Jesus, you accept him as your Lord and your savior and come under his Lordship. Then it says, verse 20, moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. He says, then came the law. You know, there was the sin of Adam, then came the law and made it worse because suddenly now everyone is breaking the perfect law of God and sin abounded. But it says, where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. That is wonderful because it says that, <coughs> what it says is that, the effects of grace are more powerful than the effects of sin. You know, we always talk about the sin that is in the world, how evil the world is, how man, and sometimes I'm guilty of talking that way. I know, forgive me, but here's the truth. It says, where sin abounds, grace abounds anymore, even more. That means that no matter how deep or how dark the sin of the world is, the grace of Jesus Christ abounds even more, but it's all tied to the preaching of the gospel. That's why we must preach the gospel because this abounding grace and that grace is given through the gospel message. And you know, that's why I, Christopher Alam, I love preaching the gospel to sinners because when I stand before a hundred thousand people in Africa or 50 or 30 or hundred thousand, whatever, when I'm preaching the gospel and these people are lost in their gross sin, and when I preach the gospel, that righteousness, that grace and favor of God is revealed, is revealed to those multitudes and everyone who reaches out to Jesus and receives it, receives this gift of righteousness because, you know, because it's like this, righteousness is more powerful than sin. It is greater than sin. And where sin abounds, righteousness abounds more. No matter what the devil does, what God does is far better. Then it says here that as sin reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. So that means that just like sin reigns unto death, you know, the wages of sin is death. Once you are in sin, you're in sin until you die and the end result is death. 
In the same way, grace, it reigns through righteousness unto eternal life to Jesus Christ our Lord. So the wages of sin is death when a person is born into sin, lives in sin, and if he follows that line of sin, when he dies, he goes into eternal death because that's when death reigns because of sin. In the same way, when a person comes to Jesus, receives Jesus, he comes into life. And then from that moment, life and righteousness begin to reign in him and into eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That is why I always say grace is not a license to sin because if a person is truly a recipient of the grace of God, there will be something within that will rise up and hate sin and abhor singing, abhor drunkenness and abhor adultery, abhor and hate and loathe the things that don't please God because when a person is under the grace of God, he will say, I am so blessed. God has done so much more for me than I've deserved in my life I will I just cannot afford to have anything cloud my communion with the father and that's the power of grace because grace and righteousness reigns in life and it continues into eternity when we stand before Jesus isn't that wonderful I enjoyed preaching to you I love this stuff I love grace I love the power of grace in our lives but let me pray for you father in the name of Jesus I pray for my brothers and sisters I thank you for their lives thank you for your mercy upon them. Thank you for your grace. In the name of Jesus, I curse every sickness and disease in their homes, every uh, spirit of poverty and fear and lack, and I speak righteousness and peace and love into the homes in the name of Jesus. If you hear my hearing my voice, and I know there's a lot of people who watch these, if you don't know Jesus, this is the time for you to pray and invite Jesus Christ into your heart and receive the gift of eternal life. Don't miss what God wants to do for you. God bless you and I'll be seeing you tomorrow.